This program is brought to you by thepodcastfactory.com. Welcome back to another edition of Copy Chief Radio. Here is your chief, Kevin Rogers. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Great to be back with you, Jonathan, for another hot episode of Copy Chief Radio. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk about freelance copywriting. So if you're a copywriter and you're looking to break into the biz, make it your full-time thing, or even get uh, going part-time, we're gonna, you're going to get some cool insights to sort of a day in the life uh, of a copywriter and what, what we do and what our days look like and kind of challenges we face. And if you are a business owner who has or is considering hiring a freelance copywriter, this is going to be an important and fun episode for you listen you to listen to so that you kind of know what kind of whack jobs you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll be prospecting out there. So Taking notes. <laughs> so uh, proud to bring on a longtime friend and a super hot copywriter, Jody Rainsford. Jody, thanks for being on with us, buddy. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be on. Yeah, man. So you're, you live uh, in, uh, you're from Delaware. I can tell by your accent. <laughs> yes. Mm. Yes. It's a very exclusive part of Delaware. <laughs> we, all, we all speak like this. <laughs> it's a gated. It's a gated community and uh, yeah, absolutely. very posh. So no, no, no. I, don't, I, I don't imagine Delaware has as, as, as much rain as, uh, as, as I do here. So <laughs> You're in a canoe as we speak right now. <laughs> Absolutely. You're, you're it feels a, like it. You're a very, like, a very long mic cord. And, uh, so you're in the UK, and, and are most of your clients US-based, or, or are they all over? I have, I have a, a, a strange mix of clients. So I've got mainly the, the direct response clients I have are based in US and Australia. And in the UK, I do have clients, but they're more, more content uh, typewriting. And uh, it's, it's, it's a, like a different, sort, a different sort of mix. Really. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so uh, you bring a special bag of experience to this game through active journalism. I know I worked with Ben Johnson for years, who was a graduate of journalism, you know, school, got his degree, but never worked a day in his life as a as a journalist. You you were out there in the trenches for quite a while. Well, if you <laughs> anyone that's been a journalist knows that you never really work a day as a journalist. <laughs> no, so but uh, yeah, the the experience of a journalist, that's where that's what that's that's how you develop a sense of humor, pretty much. It's yeah. uh Survival. It's the de- well, it's the survival. It's like it's the development of the ability to write under pressure, mm. uh, and depending on the different the type of journalism you do. Now, I, I worked on a, uh, a a weekly magazine, which is by no means the most stressful mm-hmm. of any any type of journalism. But when you're working to a weekly deadline and you have those weekly pressures, you develop a writing becomes something completely different. You. You aren't, uh, you know, writer's block all of a sudden, you know, when you've got 2,000 words to write and you go to press in an hour and a half, all of a sudden writer's block becomes a concept that doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, you know, try saying to someone, yeah, well, I, I haven't got my motivation behind it. I don't really know, you know, which, right. which I'm going to take you like, just write the goddamn thing now. 
That's funny because we were just talking about the email challenge in, in last week's episode. And I was saying how I've discovered that I'm kind of a performance writer and I, I need to feel inspired. But that goes out the window when you got uh, – we all have deadlines, right? But with journalism, man, it's print is a whole other game. Oh, no, absolutely. The, the interesting thing is that when you, you, you become trained in uh, writing at speed and being able to form, uh, formulate your thoughts really quickly, and so you tend to find that you develop better at doing things. Now, I've, I've done the, the, the Ben Settle uh, email challenge as well, mm-hmm. and I thought it was something that would come quite naturally to me because I'm used to, used to doing deadlines, but it, it was quite painful to start off with. But once... Once I, I found, like after like two or three weeks, um, getting into the into the sort of swing of it, you you find you find what you're good at writing quickly and mm. writing stuff in in my own voice and um, using a particular type of humour uh, that it just works. It just comes naturally to you. It's really weird. Yeah. It's one of those things where you have to take a leap of faith yeah. and you, know, you, you you start to develop your voice. But the, the problem with journalism is that it's it's not really about your voice. Sometimes you know you have to you have you create that that sort that sort of distance, mm, right? Um, right. Your voice and the, sort of un, unbiased. It's not yeah, about. Yeah, it shouldn't really uh, hear the, re, the reporter. Should not be seen so much, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And the the issue with with that is that it it sort of stifles you, and it, it it's very like some proper like news journals is really formulaic. Mm-hmm. It's and it, it can be quite quite a depressing place to work as well hmm, yeah. uh, so you know and I, I focus more on magazine journalism which means you, you focus more on being able to like pull out some of the character and pull out some of the story right. and actually realizing that, that background that story background and being able to put your own experience into it actually came in so useful when I when I transitioned to direct response copy yeah cool because now you're taking that's you're in charge of voice now I mean that's the big thing and yeah, you, absolutely. You and I have experience with this because you uh, write some of my emails. You're the first person I've ever hired to to actually write. My- <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a secret. I didn't know you were one of those. Bro- yeah. I heard that on the Brian Kurtz interview. I didn't know you were yeah. one of them. Yeah. So, well, I'll tell you, it was, it, what a weird thing to be a copywriter and say, uh, but it really came down. And this is before I uh, gave up my client work and went you know, full-time with copy chief. And so this year I have a much, lot more space in my head to sit and, and write effectively, but it, I literally just couldn't get to it before. And so I tell you what, the idea of, you know, trusting somebody with my voice, here's what I found working with Jody. First of all, he, he's incredibly witty. He really got me, but was it like he suddenly took over a perfect version of what I would write? No. I don't think it can ever be that. So my lesson in it was you, you sort of develop a unique voice together. And there are tips I could give him to sound more like me, but you know, ultimately it's not you, it's, it's somebody else. And I just accepted that. I still really like this voice a lot. And I think my readers, now that I'm, I am emailing every day, except for Wednesdays, uh, when Jody writes the email that goes out with the blog post because Jody's also the content uh, managing editor to make sure the blog posts are, are tip top. And so it makes sense for him to just write the email. Um, and uh, I think now people can probably tell the difference a little bit, but it, it's an interesting thing. And it taught me an important lesson as a copy chief was that what's it like for an expert to kind of hand their voice to somebody and trust them with it? 
you've almost got to give up on having someone create your perfect voice. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no way that you know, I can step into your shoes. Anyone can step into your shoes with your experience and your, your worldview and everything that goes with that and craft emails based on that. But it, it's really the closest approximation you can get, yeah. which, which effectively, you know, put it in another word, doesn't trick the readers, but it's, it's enough of an approximation to ensure that it feels authentic and it feels genuine and it feels from you. And generally, if you make them entertaining and witty, you can, you can get away with that. Yeah. The, the worst thing would be if, if you weren't known as being entertaining and witty and then all of a sudden you, you develop <laughs> you this a incredible sense of you. <laughs> right. Hilarious, but the rest of the time, he's, he's very, very droll. <laughs> exactly, yeah. He's going through this personality change all the time. It's like you're like this crazy schizophrenic. <laughs> what? Who are you? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Keep that's on so there, funny. Please. Yeah, and uh, it's funny, especially with you you being British too. It's like sometimes ju- you. I love when you use a word or phrase, and I'm like, I have no idea what that means, let alone would ever say it because I've never heard that word before in my life. You know, I know. I'm. I. It's amazing. I try so hard, and especially with um, on the sales letters I write with the sales letters that um, in health and fitness, because there are some huge differences between uh, sort of English, uh, British English idiomatic phrases and uh, an American yeah. one. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a, it's a whole learning thing. I, 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 just, I know that I will never be able to get all of those, but then sometimes, you know, um, there are some funny phrases that, uh, you just don't, you know, you just don't know what's it like the shoe, the shoe drops or the penny drops. Oh, wait, wait, or, waiting yeah, for the other just, shoe to drop. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. Penny <laughs> drop. Right. It's like, you know, I think. I think I'm, I'm slowly trying to erase out the, the you know, inaccuracies in the, in the American language, but, uh, but no one's <laughs> You should start a site. You should have one of those, like, you know, uh, British to English slang sites or something, since you're, we, you're doing all this do, research anyway. Like the Institut Francais, they, uh, they, they adjudicate, don't they? You should put up an American, American phrase next to a British phrase, and then you, you actually, they'll decide on which is the sensible one. Because that, <laughs> that, one, that one's sort of ridiculous. Let's keep that one. Yeah, right, right. That's hilarious. All right, so let's talk about um, your life as a freelancer, Jody. So you you had this experience. So you've been writing a long time. You having to, uh, you know, deliver the goods on time is nothing new. But talk about working with different kinds of clients. I know you uh, have been working consistently with a former client of mine uh, that I introduced you to just because I knew you guys would be a great fit. And that's our buddy, Mike Westerdahl. Uh, Mike is a, uh, you know, longtime force in the fitness space. Uh, he provides really high quality content, cares a lot, has a great relationship with his list. He knows his voice. Um, and I know you guys have worked similarly to what you're talking about, what you and I went through of sort of deciding, all right, what is our voice when we write together? So t- talk about uh, Mike a little bit and, and, you know, how that relationship has developed. And then I want to talk about a couple of these projects you've done recently because I think they're really cool. So, yeah, so Mike, I, I would consider is one of those clients where you feel like you've probably struck gold. That you, you, You've talked recently about developing like a proper relationship with, with someone and being able to 
work with them on a long-term basis in order to yeah and they're they're happy for you to to take time to develop as well because I think when I when I started with Mike I was still you know he was he was one of my uh, sort of first serious clients and so you know there was a there was an understanding that you know I, I would take a little bit of time to come up to speed um in you know in getting the voice and, and and getting everything right from that respect but the the relationship we have is is almost sort of consultative as well because they you know mike he pumps out so you know products and launches so so quickly he responds to things he wants to do things you know like I, he comes up with an idea um you know that weekend he'll have a, a word with his team uh, on the monday it'll go into production and then you know they want a sales letter and they're getting ready for a launch three weeks later so for for many uh, copywriters and i think for many people who works with you know he wanted to work with uh, copywriters that's unfeasible you know that is that is a, you know this sort of crazy short times, um, but to me, I I don't see those. I never saw those times as particularly uh, particularly daunting. You know, I thought yeah, easily. You know, I can I can I can produce something um, of of high quality, uh, matching your thing within within four weeks, within three weeks. But you know, I'll give myself an extra week and I'll say four, um, and uh, and and so it works really well. And so that's the that's a relationship we've 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 been working on. Um, he's come up with some great products, but. The, the key thing with Mike is that he really understands his list. He really understands what, what presses it. And he has, uh, he provides a huge amount of information uh, when I'm go- going through a search phase. And we will sort of go back and forth on headlines, hooks, um, other things like that. And he's, he's really happy to do that. It's not a case of, oh, here's it. you go and do the research. You come back to me with a sales letter. You know. And similarly, he'll, he'll change stuff in the sales letter as well. And I know that people are very sort of precious about that. You know, he'll, he'll make tweaks to headlines or he'll make tweaks to things. And you know, as, long as, as long as it doesn't fundamentally affect the, 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 sort of the sales psychology or affect anything within it, I'm, I'm, I'm completely happy with that. And so, and so that's how, yeah, that's, that's how we've been working together and it's proved really effective. That's good. It's that comes down to that dialogue, Jonathan, that we talk about It's a running theme on this show. When you have a dialogue with your audience, everything else is so much easier and so much more effective. And because Mike has that very close relationship with his list, it's easy for him to trust you, Jody, on, you know, a first draft, get it really close to there and go, oh no, they won't respond to this. Try this instead. Let's tweak this. Uh, very cool. And so, uh, yeah, you said about him moving fast and um, in responding. And again, that's that's the dialogue too. And what I love about the last product you guys did and this, I just saw, I had lunch with Mike uh, last week and he showed me just on his cell phone your latest effort together, this sales page. And I was like, oh man, I know it's going to be a huge hit because Every day since, and literally, I'm just at a restaurant, kind of scroll, <laughs> scrolling through it. I, I'm upset about what I read. Yeah, I know. It's, it's the problem. You work in that. I I have developed uh, direct response hypochondria. I have I have uh, sore hip flexors. I have low testosterone. I'm absolutely sure my uh, neck is terrible. Nothing nothing can cure it. It seems until I until I read the sales letter and I get the product. No, I, I seem to develop those, but. It, but that, I think that's that's the key, really. It's tapping into something that you can see so immediately in yourself, yeah. and gets you, you know, looking at other people, and, and and then seeing it yourself when you look in the mirror. And so, the 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 products and the ideas that it, that we've come up with around that have been have been based on the fact that they are they're sort of ubiquitous, really, and it, they have that effect. Yeah, they're, they're ubiquitous, but they're also very specific. 
Yeah. And, and so, you know, it, you know, testosterone obviously is, is, a, is a kind of a specific thing, but it might solve a tons of different stuff. What, what I love about the pattern that I'm seeing on what you guys are doing now is so the last one you wrote for him was about uh, was unlock your hip flexors. Was that the name of the product? And it was, I think, his most successful launch uh, in a long time or maybe ever. I saw him pre- ever, and, uh, and congratulations! I think you guys hit number one on ClickBank, which is a huge feat. And so uh, I love that. You know, it's very because people go, "Oh, hip flexors!" Like that isn't a, a, a common problem that you know millions of people have and need solved. But within the weightlifting industry, in the muscle industry. It's huge because everybody has sore hips and they're constantly trying to stretch them out. And what I love that you did, Jody, is you didn't say just, oh, you'll be able to lift more or get better results from your workouts if you unlock your hip flexors. You you tapped into some psychological stuff that I thought was really hot. Like, you know, uh, if your hip flexors are locked, you're, you're uh, more apt to stand in a posture that makes you look fatter than you are. Yeah, hmm. that was yeah. a good one. So it's the look. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the look. It, it's one of those things where you 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 picture uh, these guys lifting, and you you're thinking about what they do on a day to day basis when they go to the gym. What do they do? You know, they're looking at themselves in the mirror all the time, mm-hmm. and you know, and they're, 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 you know, they're obviously just trying to sculpt their body in different ways. And so, what is it? What is it that's going to hit them in the face um, most often? What is it that's going to actually cause them to to to, book, to buy something there and then, it's going to be something that's that's so that, that ruins everything that they do. That undoes yeah. all of their good work. You know, they put a huge amount of effort to it, and it undoes right. all their work through this you know tiny minuscule thing that they can change. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's tapping into that. It's the, yeah, it's, that, it's getting it's, into the psychology of, uh, of it's all it's all really about the way that you look and how it looks when you you know. Yeah. You're with your buddies, and you know, it, or when you're when you're not posing in the mirror, right? It's like <laughs> I think it's even more. Effective. Oh, you're in the bar. That's it. You're in the bar. Yeah, the- that's what so- it is. It's like I tapped into that once with uh, um, uh, Tom Venuto letter, and I said, "Look, you know, it's when when Facebook was just sort of getting really popular, and people were posting all kinds of photos and Instagram. I don't even know if Instagram was around yet, but I said, "Look, uh, you know." How many times have you been tagged in a photo that you, that was the first time you're seeing it, right? And you go, everybody's camera happy and everybody's posting photos of you, whether you like it or not. And what I wanted to do was bring someone into the moment when they're posing for a photo that they know is going social, right? Because, you know, men and women, I love watching people pose for those photos, <laughs> especially women. They have it down to an art. They got the one yeah, leg they out. They got the thing. And, you know, they're pulling your arm over to, to you know, all. And like, what is this? It's like they're dressing the scene. You're yeah. like, what? This is a selfie. What are you, what are you doing? Nice. <laughs> right. And so if you tap into a moment like that and bring somebody into that moment where they're like, oh, my pose was off. Oh, and then what do they do? They immediately look at the photo and they're like, no, delete that, delete it, delete it. Do not post that. We got to do it. And then they'll do the whole damn thing over again, right? So you know that there's so much insecurity around that moment. If you can drag people mentally right back into that moment, that's hugely emotional. Yeah, the, the thing with the strength thing is that it's all about it's all about maintenance and everything. You know, they're doing the hard work all the time. Yeah, and it's about 
not do anything to jeopardize that work and anything to do with the way that it looks or or, or losing that is a a big sort of psychological trigger in that and that's the thing that you you really want to focus on with 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 these pieces yeah and so the the next one i want to cover quickly before we wrap up here is uh texting neck <laughs> I love, yeah I, I love this this whole idea that everybody's staring down uh, you know, and I thought of this the other day. This is so smart because everybody's aware of it now because we know we're all staring down and everybody sees everybody else staring down. But I was just thinking the other day, I was reading a book and I'm going, wait a minute, I'm doing it now. And people have been <laughs> reading all the time. People have been reading forever. It's not a new problem. We just yeah. made it a new problem. Monks staring down at vellum in medieval times have got vellum now. It's, uh, it's always been a problem. It's just no one's ever had to. <laughs> oh, that's great, man. So, yeah, it doesn't make it a fraud. It's just, uh, again, this is our job as marketers is to identify the connection between an existing problem and getting people to, to open their eyes and go, oh, yes, that cause and effect is happening in my life right now. Because yeah. every time my neck starts to feel a little stiff, I immediately think, oh, my God, there it is. I've got text neck. neck. Yep. <laughs> I like that. It's that, it's that it, you, you have to see it. That's the thing. You have to be seeing these things on an everyday basis. Yeah. And if you can see it in your children, if you can see it on TV, if you can see it, you know, on the bus or when you're sat at your car looking around and you can see these things happening and if it, it makes it that immediate. And, it, you know, as soon as you um, introduce that idea to someone and they verify it themselves and you start looking at yourself in the mirror and go, oh, actually, oh my God, my, my neck is is absolutely hideous. And then you, you're like, what? I, I'm not, I didn't realize I, I'm, I'm, I'm modern Quasimodo. I have no idea. What, what, why, did no, why did no one tell me? And you're angry at people. And, you're so, and so, and so it, it, but, but it's that visual element to it. So it, it's a lot more difficult with things like testosterone and, you know, because you're, right. you're trying to um, make a link between um, the way that they feel and energy and things like that. Where, whereas these ones, it's really clear. It's really clear. And it's almost, it's a, it's sort of a modern, um, it's a modern subject. It's a modern trend. It's something that's always in the news. And we, you, know, you have right. your insecurities about your children, you know, constantly yeah. being on iPads and you have your insecurity about the fact that you, you, know, you, you haven't spoken to your wife in eight years because she's been, <laughs> you know, messing about on Instagram. And so, and so it just hits home to you. And right. so it, that's what, and that's what makes it really, um, yeah, you know, it really sort of uh, sort of punches you in the gut with that. Yeah, smart. And we got to go, but I love the upsell is how to break your uh, internet addiction. Yeah, right? so it's it's just the perfect lead in. Really smart. So Jody, thanks for being with us, man. This is was a lot of fun. We'll definitely be doing this again. And where can people go go get in touch with you? Uh, they got to get on your list and see your wit and your emails. Where does that happen? Yeah, so if you go to www.jodyrainsford.com, that's J-O-D-Y-R-A-Y-N-S-F-O-R-D.com, um, and believe me, there's enough pop-ups on there for you to be able to opt in. If you, if you, if you, if you get on there and you don't see a pop-up, then I'll, you know, you, I'll be amazed. So yeah. uh, you'll be able to get on that way. And, and that is the British spelling, by the way, so use, use yeah. the proper. All right, th <laughs> thanks, brother. And, of course, you can find uh, Jody all over Copy Chief uh active member in there as well always giving great advice uh all right jonathan take us out of here buddy well actually what do you have coming up for us next time Kevin? oh next time yes one week from now 
Very exciting. April Dykeman is going to be on, who's another really on-fire copywriter out there in the freelance world. And she wrote a great article for Copy Chief blog about how to create the perfect About Us page. And man, it's it's been on fire and people are getting a huge amount of value out of it. So she's going to come on and review that article and teach us how to write a perfect About You slash About Us page. Uh-oh, I'm scared. You said dirty word teach. <laughs> All right. So that's a wrap for Copy Chief Radio. We will be back in your earbuds next week. Thank you, Jody. Thank you, Kevin. And especially thank you guys for tuning in. You've been listening to Copy Chief Radio. Thank you for tuning in. If you're digging what we are laying down for you, then your next step is to go over to iTunes type in copy chief radio into the search bar and when you find a show subscribe we will be back in your earbuds next week this is the podcastfactory.com Thank you.